0: Did your favorite NFL team win the Super Bowl? No? Then the NFL Draft is your Super Bowl. I'm Danny Heifetz, and from now until the draft, we are turning our fantasy football show feed into the Ringer NFL Draft Show. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we talk about the top players and most important storylines for the NFL Draft. So join us on the Ringer NFL Draft Show.
1: It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. Take a shot at betting the NBA with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem, call 100 Gambler or visit rg-help.com. Life is a highway. Welcome in. It is Hey Monday edition of New York, New York, with yours truly, JJ John J. Strzemski. I hope everybody enjoyed their Easter weekend. I hope everybody enjoyed their Passover weekend. It was great to see the family. It was great to dive in to sports galore over the last 24, 48, 72 hours. And the crazy thing about this weekend to me that really hit home is Action-packed as it was with both baseball teams in action, with me dialed in to all the Masters on Friday, a little bit on Saturday, then waking up at 8.30 in the morning to watch the golf because I'm sick in the head. I sat there and said to myself before I left for Easter dinner, and as Nesta Cortez is doing his thing for the New York Yankees, that this is actually going to be one of the slowest weekends we have here for New York, New York in quite a while. With What is a Bruin with the Knicks and the Cavaliers, which will start next Saturday with the Nets and the Philadelphia 76ers, which will also start next Saturday, which means we will have a show on Twitter Spaces on Saturday night after all the basketball. You have that. You have the hockey playoffs that get going. I think Monday is what I heard. Not this coming Monday. The following Monday as far as all the action with the Rangers, with the Devils, with the Islanders. We'll have all that cooking. Plus, we have everything that's going on with the baseball. So, long story short, It is going to be chaotic times for the New York, New York family over the next few weeks. How chaotic over the next six weeks? That is a much different conversation, and that remains to be seen. All right, a bunch of hitters I want to get to right out of the gate. I'm actually going to start first with the golf real quick. It was anticlimactic towards the end. Rom chased down Kepka earlier this morning. Rom was just Unbelievable. I mean, made no mistakes, was basically breathless for 18 holes, and Kepka got off to a rocky start. Didn't play well enough. He had a great first two days. He took advantage of optimal conditions. He did not finish strong. Maybe you want to tell me he finished strong over 14, 15, 16, whoop the freaking do. But Brooks Kepka does not end up winning the Masters. And John Rahm, who's been as good as anybody in golf, along with Scotty Scheffler, wins his second major. Wins his first green jacket. It's well-deserved. For those of you who follow the PGA Tour, you know the deal with Rom. He's one of the best players in the world. So I want to salute him. The more juicy storyline, though, without a doubt, to come out of Augusta this weekend, it's not even John Rom winning. It's not even Brooks Koepka falling apart. It's not that stiff Patrick Cantlay who takes forever to play. And if he played like that at Silver Lake Golf Course, he would hear from me with that sort of pace of play, which is a disgrace. And you could tell it bothered Brooks Kepka, the storyline to me is Phil Mickelson playing out of his freaking mind today and finishing the Masters tournament at 8-under. And Phil's shooting a 65 today at 52 years old. And I know he's had a very tumultuous last 14 months. I think we can all acknowledge that. I'm always going to be a Phil guy. I know he has his demons. I know he has his transgressions. I know he has not looked particularly good over the last year, but I'm not going to lie. I got a soft spot for the guy. I like the guy. I found myself rooting like crazy for him to go and take down Jordan Spieth today. They played the best twosome out of anybody. Spieth and Phil were just going birdie for birdie for birdie for birdie. It was awesome to watch. And I had a couple of shekels on Phil to go and take down Jordan Speef, So that I'd put on 18 for birdie. Maybe not as significant as his first Masters putt on 18 for birdie back in 2004, but it was significant to some. That was cool to see. I always liked seeing the old revival, and we got one of those as a whole here from Phil. Um, but all in all, good Masters. Got nothing out of Tiger. He withdrew. You knew the wear and tear and all that golf was going to get to him on Sunday. And Rahm ends up winning the tournament. So hats off to John Rahm. I wanted to do the Masters right out of the gate. Now let's get to all the local stuff. All right. I got good news for Jeff fans. You dodged the bullet on Odell Beckham Jr. You dodged the bullet. I understand Odell Beckham Jr. is an insanely talented player. I know he helped the Los Angeles Rams dramatically two years ago get to and win a Super Bowl. But you got to understand something. The Jets will have enough drama on their hands the minute Aaron Rodgers officially announces he is a New York Jet. The last thing, in my opinion, the New York Jets needed was another guy who, at times, can move the needle and not the way you want to move the needle. And when you consider the price tag and when you consider the injury risk and then you throw in all of the baggage of Odell's New York experience from when he was a member of the New York Giants, I have been steadfast in this. You didn't want any part of Odell Beckham Jr. So if you're a Jet fan out there listening, starting off your week post-Easter, post-Passover, to me, the Jets are A-OK with Odell Beckham Jr. taking his talents to Baltimore. He will now be a Raven. We will see if they can sing Kumbaya with Lamar Jackson between now and the draft, or between now and the start of the regular season. But uh, considering that Odell and Lamar were spending some time together on FaceTime if you check their Instagram pages. I would expect that we're going to see Lamar Jackson playing for the Baltimore Ravens. So, I- I'm not screaming. I'm not crying about this if I'm a Jeff fan. To me, all's okay. You got Garrett Wilson. You brought in Alan Lazard. You still have Davis here for the time being. Uh, you brought McCall Harmon. You're fine at wide receiver. The Jets did not need Odell Beckham Jr. So, no harm, no foul as far as that goes. Now, The weekend for the baseball locals. Good weekend for both. Different script for both. I'll start with the Yankees. The Yankees on Saturday morning at around 10 o'clock looked like they were going to have a real lousy weekend. Jonathan Elisager goes on the IL. Not that anybody cares about this, but Josh Donaldson finds his way onto the IL. The Yankees are short in the bullpen. They're down a couple of starters. They lose a game on Friday that, let's be honest, is the first game that we can chalk up to Aaron Boone doing a lousy job of making managerial moves, whether it's pinch hitting uh, Cordero with IKF and IKF coming up in like 10 zillion big spots on Friday, not doing the job, not using high leverage relievers after an off day on Thursday. And that was a Boone loss. That's basically the way I looked at Friday's game. To the Yankees' credit, though, they bounce back and bounce back in a big way Saturday and Sunday, and they take the series. couple of takeaways. One, Johnny Brito is a better starting rotation option in Korshman. I don't think I'm exaggerating by saying this, and I know it's two starts, and I know somebody's going to say, JJ, don't get nuts. Korshman is better off in the bullpen. His numbers, if you look as a starter and as a reliever, are drastically different. He has not done the job as a starter. Brito, on the other hand, has come into the rotation, has changed speeds. That first inning told me a lot the other day against the Baltimore Orioles. I thought he was going to give up three or four runs. First and third, nobody out. Works out of the jam. Stays in the game. Gives the Yankees a chance to win. And that's exactly what they did. Volpe had the big triple. That kind of got him going. Aaron Hicks got his first hit of the year, which drove in the tie and run. Hallelujah for that. Stanton hit another moonshot of a home run. And the Yankees took care of business on Saturday. On Sunday, the storyline is about the captain. The storyline is about one of, if not the best player in all baseball. I'm sorry, Shohei Otani fans, but I'm going to give my guy, Mr. Judge, Mr. 62, all the love in the world. Because we actually had a question Friday night. I think my producers on SNY were trying to get under my skin a little bit. Fact of fiction, should we be worried about Aaron Judge's bad week? And I... You know, started yelling and screaming. I said, who came up with this stupid question? How outrageous is this? He's Aaron Judge. He's going to hit. He's going to be fine. It'd be nice if they put that tape back for me, you know, before I do TV tonight. That would actually kind of make me look like a genius. But I'm not looking for brownie points. Aaron Judge is a beast. As long as he is physically able and as long as he is healthy, he is going to put up monster numbers for the Yankees. He's everything you want a player. He's a leader. His teammates love him. He plays the game the right way. He represents the New York Yankees in a first-class way. You don't need me to read you the, the, solilo- the soliloquy on Aaron Judge. He's a stud. Two home runs today. I'm glad he's a Yankee. Oh, I don't know if I want to give him the big money. What I don't want to give him nine. Well, You know what? There's certain guys you buck that trend for. Sunday's a perfect example of why you go and pay Aaron Judge and take care of Aaron Judge. You know what's awesome, though? How about my guy, Nesta Cortez? I, I, I can't get enough. He's doing the Louis Tion leg kicks. He's got all the deception. And he now has two very good starts to his 2023 season. Nesta Cortez is a beast. He's not a fluke. I told you that last year. I told you that going into the start of 2022. After what I saw in August and September in big games for the Yankees in the 2021 season, Nestor kind of earned his way into my circle of trust, 1,000%. Guy's a beast. Good job by the Yankees this weekend. Baltimore's a spunky team. Baltimore can swing the bats. They win three straight series to start the year. Job well done. Now, I'm not going to rag on the Mets for, for winning two out of three because you win a series, you win a series. Positive with the Mets this weekend, without question. It's twofold. One, Kodai Senga. The Ghost Fork, they had the Ghost Fork signs, which, by the way, was an unbelievable touch by the Mets fan. And it's the idea of Senga going up against the same opponent in consecutive starts and doing the job in consecutive starts. That's awesome to see. Now, it is the Marlins, so you do have to put a grain of salt in that. It's one of the worst teams, I think, in all baseball. But it sure beats the alternative of Kodai Senga getting shellacked in his first two starts. Stuff looked good. Pitched with confidence. Pitched with a purpose. Went deep into the ballgame. So far, you got to be really pleased with what you saw out of Sanger. That's number one. Number two, Alonzo, Lindor, their success. It's paramount for this team. The way the Mets are set up, they can't have down years out of either one of those guys. The good news is I think Pete Alonzo is probably going to lead the league or be close to it in home runs. He's off to a flying start as far as that goes. And he had a couple home runs on Friday and then again on Saturday. And Lindor, listen, Lindor is a guy that's going to hit. I'm not worried about Lindor playing in New York. He has answered the bell as far as that goes. So those are all the positives, right? Here's the negative for the Mets. Carrasco now in two starts, shaky. And I know you look at Carrasco's stat line, it's ugly. It's even uglier than that. Because when you give up three in the first inning against a team like that, that's dead. They are a dead team walking. It's eye-opening. Especially when you look at the way the Marlins have hit against everybody else and every time they've played the Mets so far. They never hit them. I mean, Carrasco can't get through five. He's not missing bats. Gives up six hits. He gives up six runs. That is very alarming now. That two starts in a row, Carlos Carrasco has looked Basura, to say the least. He does not look good. He does looked like hot garbage. That is a big, big problem for the Mets because you still win on Verlander. Peterson has not been great. You don't have Quintana. Like this this is not ideal from a Mets standpoint to get two absolute duds out of Carrasco. Well, it's nice to see Alvarez get a hit today, by the way. And to see the Mets, listen, he should be catching. More often than not. You wanna tell me it's split? Fine. But the idea that Nito is gonna catch five days a week and Alvarez is gonna be a backup catcher makes no sense. Play Alvarez. And I do think we will get to a point where the Met fan is hurting for Alvarez and they're gonna be hurting for Beatty. I know Escobar hit a home run on Saturday, but he's hitting a buck twenty five. That's a guy's got to be careful first couple of weeks of the year. Because if he does not hit, and it's like Memorial Day weekend, the Met fan is gonna say, you know what? Get Brett Beatty on my team. That's going to be the rallying crowd. So two out of three, and now here come the Padres. And this will be a nice test for the Mets. The Padres, to me, are the best team in the National League. Their lineup is loaded. I like what they have from a pitching standpoint. They are all in. Much in the same way the Mets are all in. Difference is, there's a lot more star power in that lineup for San Diego. And you're still waiting on Tatis. I mean, from Soto, to Bogarts, to Machado. That is a frightening, frightening lineup. Frightening. So I'm looking forward to seeing the Padres Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Now, before we hit a couple of calls, playoffs are officially set. We knew this already. The Knicks and the Nets on Saturday. The Nets will be taking on the Sixers. Nobody in America is going to give them a chance to win the series. Philadelphia is already, I think, minus 1,000 on the FanDuel series prize. I know it's Doc Rivers. I know it's James Harden. Philadelphia is not losing that series to the Nets. here's my goal for the Nets. Go give them a series. The Nets go, and and with Jock Vaughn, with the way they've played, I think they're going to play hard in this series. It's probably a five or a six-game series, truth be told. I don't see the Nets finding a way to win this one. I don't see a viable path for them winning this series. But if they go and make the 76ers sweat with all the upheaval, with all the turmoil they've had throughout the course of this year, that's a major, major win. We'll see what Mr. Bridges and Mr. Johnson and uh, Mr. Dinwiddie can do and trying to win a playoff series. Tough hill to climb for them, though. Very, very tough hill to climb. And as far as the Knicks, the question is going to be between now and Saturday, what is the timetable for Julius Randle? Is Julius Randle ready to go for game one? Is Julius Randle able to come back midway through this series? Is Julius Randle out completely for this series? If that's the case, this emergence that you've seen from Obi Toppin over these last few games, it is essential. What you've gotten out of Quentin Grimes and Emmanuel quickly, really stepping up. They're going to have to step up that much more if indeed that's going to be the case and the Knicks are going to go and win this series. The odds makers, not to the same extreme from a Nets Sixers standpoint, but Cleveland's basically a two-to-one favorite. It's a little higher, that series price, than I thought it would be. It's a little higher. I like the fact that the Knicks are starting on the road. I think that's actually beneficial for them. They find a way to get split in the first two games, and then you're coming back Friday, Saturday, we're rocking Madison Square Garden. I'm going to love the sound of that. I'm going to be, like, crazy all week wondering what a playoff schedule is because the NBA is the worst with this. They don't go every other day. They try to space these games out for TV, so I wouldn't be surprised if they play, like, Saturday, if they play Tuesday, and they don't play again until Friday. Or they go Saturday, Monday, and then they play again on Thursday. Like, I I don't even know what they're going to do with the playoff schedule. It'll be a mess. It'll probably drive me to drink. But throughout the course of this week, we're going to have a lot more on Knicks, Cavs, and Sixers, And we should have some clarity in the next couple of days as far as the postseason hockey is concerned. You just know the Islanders will be joining the Rangers and the Devils, and they're a part of it. All right, some voicemails right out of the gate here. Nine one seven three eight two one one five one. Hope everybody had a terrific holiday, Easter, Passover, whatever you celebrate. Weekend. All right, let's get it. Let's hear it.
2: JJ Justin in Miami. Um, what we saw Friday night in that in that Mavericks game w- was really one of the more despicable things I think I've seen in pro sports. Look, teams tank, and we we've seen this in many sports, but I don't know if I've ever seen a team with a legitimate shot at a playoff spot with two games to go, just literally try to lose the game for draft purposes. And to me, that goes well beyond just a, 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 a general tanking to, to something that's actually threatening the, the game. I mean, if you're going to have playing spots, the teams have to actually try to get them. I mean, the Mavericks could have very easily been the 10th seed and chose not to get it, to get a draft. Tank. Forget about not even playing the guys. They did. They took Luca out of the game. So they would lose the game. again, how can you justify that the plane is a great thing if you have a team actively trying to avoid it so they get a higher pick? I think the league really has to do something here. To me, the minimum should be that the Mavericks lose that first-round pick. Uh, what are you saying if they don't? The, the Mavericks need to lose that pick, and this is very different than I, I saw some people saying, well, how is this any different than the Knicks-sitting guys or the Bulls-sitting guys? It's completely different. This is a team which had a legitimate chance to get a play-in spot and chose not to do it. You cannot stand for that if you're the NBA. You're already having enough problems with load management. Teams aren't even going to try to make the playoffs. I mean, that's a next-level stuff. I don't know. I'd love to get your thoughts on it later.
1: Justin, it's a horrendous look for Dallas, but I think the writing has been on the wall for Dallas for quite a while now. They've been a bad team. They don't play a lick of defense. They have no pieces around Luka and Kyrie Irving. They took a shot with this trade. It didn't work. And they're well aware of the fact that the Knickerbockers have their pick. The optic of it is terrible. It's not going to sit well with you. It's not going to sit well with a whole lot of folks around the NBA, nor should it. But at the moment, I don't know what you want the league to do. Teams are going to handle their business the way they're going to handle their business. And the one thing I'd say, Dallas is doing absolutely nothing with substance in the playoffs. So we could talk about the optic till the cows come home. They're well aware of that fact. They know it. And what's going to be interesting to watch, Kyrie, who the hell knows what his future is? Good luck trying to figure that out. Who cares? I mean, honestly, talk about somebody I couldn't care less about. Who cares? Lucas' future, though, is interesting to me. Because Dallas was in the West Finals last year. Brunson comes to the Knicks. They make this trade for Kyrie Irving. Took a shot. Worth the risk for them, really. It was a roll of the dice. It fell miserably, though. Is Luka now saying, get me out of here? And if he is, he who's waxing poetic about his guy, Jalen Brunson? Luka Doncic and Jalen Brunson at Madison Square Garden? I'll think about that thought for a couple of days. Why not? Why not? Because you know the Knicks are going to be the team that's positioned for whoever that Knicks disgruntled star is until he's come to the table to have a chat. Something to think about. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here because the Knicks got a first-round series to get ready for, but don't be surprised that ends up becoming a storyline at some point in time. All right, let's take one more.
3: Hey, John. shake from Charlotte. I just wanted to talk about the Knicks and mainstream media in general. Um, You know, the Knicks, they had a good season this year. You know, let's see you go in the playoffs, you know, hopefully making some noise, making a deep run. But the main thing I'm talking about is mainstream media doesn't give the Knicks this year the respect they deserve. Um, You know, you have two all-NBA caliber players, Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle. And now they're saying that, you know, you can't have two Knicks players on there. I believe that Jalen Brunson should be all-NBA you know, team point guard, you know, you know, 13 point guard, he should get that honor because, you know, he's done everything for the Knicks this year. Him and Randall both. I know Randall is pretty much a lock for it. And then for the most improved player, uh, you know, Emmanuel quickly, he deserves that award, um, over Malcolm Brogdon, but people are going to complain because Brogdon plays for a better team and what quickly starts too much. He starts too many games or he's, you know, in quotation marks too good to win the award. It's just a bunch of crap, to be honest with you. Um, You know, I feel like Brunson, Randall, and Quickly should be honored for the seasons that they have. You know, it's not the end-all, be-all, but, you know, it is nice to get some recognition every once in a while for, you know, having, you know, being being good at your job. Anybody wants that. You know, you want the recognition you deserve, and um, hopefully the Knicks kind of put that chip on their shoulder and, you know, make some noise in the playoffs. But, all right, man, go next. Thanks. Bye.
1: Jake, that's the best way to do it. If you're a guy like Jalen Brunson and you don't find your way onto the All-NBA team, go and stick it to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Quickly should be the sixth man of the year. He's been brilliant for the team all year. He's gotten better as the season has gone along. His emergence in this rotation, to me, is one of the pivotal turning points in the next season as a whole. And the fact that he torched the Celtics, and I know Brogdon didn't play in that game. But the way he torched him, uh, to me, that was the sort of performance that put him over the top as far as I'm concerned. Oh, I'm biased. I'm not going to lie. I really have loved what I've seen out of Emmanuel quickly this year. But use it as fuel. Now, I do think Randall will end up being All-NBA. I expect Randall to be All-NBA. Quickly, I mean, you're basically flipping a coin between him and Brogdon. Not sure if he's going to win the award. Brogdon was basically the preseason favorite all year. Quickly kind of surpassed him for a little bit, and Brogdon looked like he took it back. Brunson, I'm telling you right now, is not going to be All-NBA. He's not. As good a year as he's had, remember, they didn't name him the All-Star team. So he's going to fall short. I'm not going to run through the laundry list of guards that are going to end up being ahead of him, but he's not going to end up being there. Good. We know what Jalen Brunson has meant to this Knicks team all year. And if the Knicks are going to beat the Cavaliers, it is imperative for him to be great. Not good. He's going to have to be great for the Knicks to go and win that series. All right, we'll have a little fun. This guy was out in Vegas with me. I'm sure he loved the Masters. Big golf guy. And we'll run through the smorgasbord. We'll run through a little potpourri. A little bit of everything with the, uh, the great Chris Lopresti who will be doing television with me in a matter of moments. I hope he makes it here on time for that matter. Uh, see what's up next. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one Mick Crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a
2: detour. Two guys drove to work.
3: Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home.
1: One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. So we welcome in a guy who's been up, I think, since 7 in the morning. Uh, I don't know if he's gotten any sleep since our Vegas excursion, but he's here with me. We did TV. We're a week out from the Ranger playoffs, baseball, Masters, a lot of stuff to cover. Uh, with my guy, Crystal Presti. First off, um, have you survived Las Vegas yet, number one?
0: I survived. Uh, I got out, I think, at the right time. Had I stayed another day or two, like you lunatics, it, it might have been a different story. Because I did... Pretty much from the moment I landed back in New Jersey slash New York, had the, the head cold, the sneeze, all the, you know, the Vegas flu, which many yes, of us Yeah, I can understand Yeah, that. plus, you know, change of seasons, allergies, stuff flying in the air. But it was only a couple of days. The sniffles, a little scratchy throat. You know, we get over that and I was fine by Easter Sunday. It's all good. Um, I will get your highlight of the trip later on because I have more
1: pressing, I have more pressing things I need options. to get to. There okay. are a lot of options. Um, You're a big golf guy, so I figured you'd be a perfect guy to have on Masters today, let's be honest, did not get the drama that I think we thought we were going to get with Kepka and with Rom. The idea that Rom was chasing down Kepka. The minute Rom got the lead, CeeLo, it was over. It felt like Brooks was out of sorts. Rom just playing too well. Were well, you bummed out we didn't get the drama maybe that you thought we were going to get?
0: I was, because let's be honest. I mean, look, the Masters, it's, I always look forward to this. It's iconic, all that. But well, we haven't really had a lot of 18th hole or even down the stretch drama for a couple of years now. Even the year Tiger won, it was exciting. But I mean, once those guys all went in the water on 12 that year, I mean, he pretty much took the bull by the horns by the horns that year. So I guess Sergio won in the playoff in 17. So that's what, five years, six years ago now? Uh, I did. I locked in on the final pairing. Uh, I think they were on seven and it was tight and I'm thinking, okay, this is great. I'm going to watch the rest of the way. We get some drama. All of a sudden speed's making a charge. Mickelson's making a charge. And I'm thinking this, maybe we get a playoff out of this and it just never materialized. So give John Rahm credit after that four putt on the opening hole on Thursday, with very few exceptions he was just rock solid he had the game in full control no major mistakes like you know the confidence in the way he was swinging the club walking the course everything was there he checked all the boxes so congrats to him
1: best player in the world scheffer or rom
0: i think at their at their peak at their height i still think i think rom's more talented i, I really I do that. And this was honestly one of the first weeks, I think this was the most outwardly frustrated I've seen Scotty Sheffler. He was
1: screaming at everybody. The caddy, the putting green. I've never seen him And now I have
0: to think part of that was just, the weight of being the defending champ and trying to run it back and do it again. Um, but very uncharacteristic for him. So maybe something to keep an eye on moving forward, but he held it together. He still finished. What was he? T nine, T 10, something like that. So did not have his game firing and still right there. It's an interesting debate right now because it's kind of the world. Number one ranking keeps kind of get passed around. Guys aren't staying there for a while, but uh, yeah, when Ram is clicking, and this is, what, his fourth win already this year? I mean, he is ultra talented.
1: Uh, one more note on the golf. Were you surprised with how well a lot of these live guys ended up doing? I mean, listen, Mickelson. Mickelson shooting 65 today. And I bet him. I told you this. I yeah. bet him to beat You're Speed. You're a Phil guy, yeah. I'm a Phil guy. He was plus 230. I'm like, all right, he's playing while well. I want to root for something. Sure. Other than the final pairings. I said, screw it. I'll throw it on. He's playing out of his mind. Spieth is still beating them until the final hole where he birdies. And, of course, Spieth bogeys. Yeah. But Kepka played well. Reed played yeah. really, really well. A lot of these lip guys did their job this I week. I
0: was. Now, there were a few that went the other way, a couple of withdrawals. But those three, I was surprised from the standpoint of I didn't know what to expect because of the type of golf and the environments they've been playing in. We, that's a whole different conversation. Not a knock on Live taking the money, but let's be honest—they're playing three-round events, no cuts, relaxed atmosphere, no pressure, and to drop yourself into Augusta National against some of these guys that are at the peak of their game—I get for those three. There was, you know, the course familiarity at Augusta is a big deal. kepka has been there, hadn't won. Obviously, Phil's won. Obviously, Patrick Reed has won as well. So from that standpoint of the live, live guys didn't shock me that those three were the ones at the top, but for them to be as close as they were and in contention was a little bit of a surprise. That was impressive.
1: All right, let's do a little bit of the baseball stuff. Um, it's so early. I mean, yeah. I feel like it, it's like, I gotta give it at least a month and a half, yes. two months to marinate. And like some years, the slow start really will get to you from a Yankee standpoint right now. They're I'm fine. Like, Listen, they have a ton of injuries. Yeah. All right, great. I'm not worried about Volpe. We were talking about this a few minutes ago off air. They won their first three series. Yeah. So despite the injuries, despite some of the concerns I have with issues on the team, he went three straight series to start the year. And still, it seems like Judge picking up right where he left off. My I, goodness.
0: And he, yeah, and even better than he was at the beginning of last year. So you wondered where it would... Would there be a little bit of a hangover? I got the contract now, and he has just taken the bull by the horns. He looks great, which is awesome. It's just one of those things, as collectively as a team, yeah, there's always going to be question marks and concerns. Same goes for the Mets. I'm sure we'll get to them in a second. But this time of year, just don't bury yourself. That's really all it comes down to. So if the Yankees are winning series, a couple guys are struggling, injuries, you know, question marks, that's fine. But just take advantage. Win some games when you can. And then kind of see how it all plays out as you get into that middle portion of the season.
1: And I'm proud of us because neither of us, at least for the time being, are sounding the alarm at all on Volpe. And I know he's not gotten off to a good start. I know the strikeouts are probably a little bit too high. I thought that triple for him was enormous yesterday. And I know, listen, Ceele, he's not hitting. The numbers are not what they want him to be. But it kind of like every now and again shows you, all right. He's fine. He's not overwhelmed. It's going to come. That's kind of. Do you have that mindset with Volpe? I feel like it's going to come.
0: I do so far. And he kind of alluded to as much about the triple after the game, especially they gave him the whatever that was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I. Try to make the kid feel Sure, good. sure, which is good. I mean, that shows that speaks to the leadership. You can tell Judge is doing his thing with him, which is great. Um, I don't have concerns yet from the standpoint of I've not seen it affect him in the field. Right? Remember the early issues and questions we had about IKF last year? It was kind of like, wait a second, this guy's supposed this to guy's be a shortstop. shortstop. Right. Glover, so to ass. me, he's, he's been smooth. He's looked the part there. He's taken his walks. He, we know he can run the bases. He can steal bases. So if he's not racking up the hits and the production offensively, at least there's other ways he's contributing. He seems to have his pretty good head on his shoulders, seems to be grounded. And he did get off to a slow start in the minor leagues last year. It kind of didn't heat up until I want to say it was maybe the back end of May, early June. So what I said to you off there, my only concern is we know how it goes here with the fan, with the Yankee fans and, and the big club. When you're, I don't, they don't care who you are. You're not producing at some point, you're going to hear it. So that's more my though, that's the, my only. My concern. only
1: counter to that would be it's always
0: more so Silo the
1: free agent and the guy you more trade so for yes than the homegrown guy. The more fan so, base yes. for whatever the reason gives the homegrown guy, and I think especially. The homegrown New Jersey guy, right. that much the more than the right? You know what I mean? No,
0: I understand, but if he's hitting a buck 40 a well, month on Memorial from now, Day,
1: we're going to have a different conversation. You know, and
0: all of a sudden, I saw uh, Peraza's got a hamstring, a triple A. So, again, it's sort of looking a little too far down the road and trying to project how bad things could get. Like, worst case scenario, we're not obviously not far from that. As long as the team's winning and they're batting him ninth and he's playing a good defense and he can get on base and, and steal some bases, I'm not going to go nuts about the average or if he's not hitting the ball out of the ballpark. And it's not even an expectation level for me. It's me just wanting to make sure that like his his progression continues and they don't stunt his growth or it doesn't become too overwhelming or it is not so much pressure that he feels the weight of the world. I just want to see this kind of be a, a smooth process. And it never fully is. There's going to be ups and downs, peaks and valleys. I get that, but I'm pulling for him.
1: See, I'd be a little bit more concerned about the Mets. Like, if you're looking at these two teams right now, because this age in the pitching staff, Corresco yep. looks awful. Uh, Scherzer, listen, faded the last two years. Yeah. I think he'll be fine, Scherzer, but that's a question you have. Verlander, whenever he comes back, he's got age that he's dealing with. And then the bottom of that lineup for the Mets, I mean, there is some there's some holes right now. Escobar right now is a problem. The DH spot is a problem. Like, If I'm going to compare, like, listen, five and five Yankees that win their first three series, both teams, relatively speaking, are fine. I just think the concerns are far more heightened right now from a Mets standpoint.
0: And the things that we're concerned with in the early going with the Mets are things that we talked about during the offseason. Correct. So... It's 10 games, it's small sample size, but all of a sudden those things that we worried about and talked about, you can kind of go right down the, the list and check off those boxes. Escobar was a talking point. DH was a talking point. Strength of the rotation, or the age rather, of the rotation was a talking point. And then you mix in the Diaz injury, that hasn't really you know, reared its ugly head yet. I know Ottavino had the one uh, the one game that he, he kind of foobarred a little bit, but Robertson's looked good. I figured he would. Um, that's another situation where, to me, it's just tread water until they can figure out which bat they're going to bring in because you know that they're going to make a move at some point. And does Beatty come up at some point and kind of light a final? Alvarez is up right now. To me, that's a lot to ask at that position. When
1: you see it on defense. Listen, I yeah. play him a couple days a week because yeah. it makes no sense sitting him on the bench you're going to deal with some shortcomings on yeah. defense. That's and just and, and all of a
0: sudden, I know Buck said it was on the pitchers or on the, Carrasco and the staff. <laughs> what did the Marlins steal Four or five bases Sunday right out of the shoot there. So, and he threw one ball, airmailed one ball into the outfield. So, that part's going to be a work in progress. Well, that's a
1: new wrinkle now in baseball. Listen, if you're a catcher, yeah. these guys are running a lot. And see, well, that's a good thing, by the way. That's oh, a good thing. I know of you love it as oh, a coach. Oh, 100%. That and a pitch clock, by the way. How yes. The freaking I have
0: no complaints. I know. People, eh, maybe a little longer on the pitch clock. People don't like the pickoff thing, but, like, keep the games moving. More action. We're on the bay. I- I've been very pleased with it so far.
1: Okay. You're Rangers. Yes. You have been a guy. Anytime we talk. Yes. Don't worry. They're going to be fine. They're going to be fine. They're going to be fine. Yes. We are now a week out from the end of the regular season. On your gauge meter of one, you're <laughs> very alarmed, very concerned, sounding alarm. This is a disaster. 10, supremely confident. Where are you with the Rangers?
0: Um, overall, just looking at the Rangers, I'm probably at a 8 to 8.5. So
1: that's very confident. Now, okay.
0: when you factor in the team they're going to play in the first round, maybe more like 7, 7.5. That's how much respect I have for what the Devils have put together this year. And I, Now, look, all of a sudden the playoffs, the postseason lights come on. It's an inexperienced devil's. Never team been there the, before. For the most part. Now they have some guys that have done it. They brought in some veteran, like, you know, Andre Polat Stanley Cup winner with the Lightning. Uh Dougie Hamilton's a veteran player. They brought in Timo Meyer from San Jose. Maybe not so much from the postseason experience, but it's not a it's not a team just stacked with kids. They have some kids. Um, but top to bottom, they're very good defensively. The goaltending's better this year. So just looking at the opponent and how good they've been all year. Every time I thought the Rangers were going to catch them, the Devils have put together a streak and just kind of held them off. Now, technically, the Rangers could still finish ahead of them and get the home ice, but to me, in this series, it's irrelevant. It's it's local. There's going to be a ton of Ranger fans at Prudential Center no matter what. It's not a knock on the Devils. It just is what it is. It's the reality. Looking at the Rangers, the fact that Ryan Lindgren's back and seems okay is huge for them heading into the playoffs. they got two games left. Keep him in bubble wrap. They need him to be successful. I'm a little concerned about Patrick Kane. Um, I wanted to give it whatever it was three, four weeks after they made the move. He's been okay. Missed a couple games this week. He's got a hip issue that's going to need surgery in the offseason. I'm just hoping, and I know he came back and played uh, the other night uh, in the shutout against Columbus. I'm just hoping that he's got enough left in the tank to get through these playoffs. Because one thing we know about the Rangers they usually play these long series, and that wears you down. They
1: don't have short series. No. And I can't be, think of any unless they get bounced. No, when they win, it goes six, seven There minutes. are
0: very few of them. So if they could ever find a way to get a quick one, and I don't anticipate that against the Devils, you know, you run into a team that had a, a, you know, a softer series and only played a few. You saw it, I thought, against Tampa Bay in the conference final last year. Rangers got off to the quick start. Tampa Bay was a little rusty because they hadn't played. And then as that series went along, the Rangers looked absolutely gassed. So I'm just hoping we don't get to that point this year.
1: Um, what is the qualification for you, successful Ranger season? Because listen, it's different now. Last year they made the conference finals. Yeah, unexpectedly they gave you a good run. Yep. It was feel good. Feel like that no longer no. is the case when you make the trades they did, and you're you year removed from a conference final. What? In your opinion, would qualify as a successful Rangers
0: season? For me, I need to see them back in the conference final, and then to minimum me, for me, yeah, I think they need to win the. I need to they need to get out of this metropolitan bracket. So
1: that would mean beat Tough, the Devils and likely and the Hurricanes, Carolina.
0: assuming Carolina gets through the first round. Got yeah, it. so that's where it's at. I'm not trying to say that's a cakewalk. Like I, again, I could easily see both of those series being six, seven games apiece and or the Rangers losing either of them. But then, to me, that would be a failure and a disappointment when you consider how much they put into this year. Not that they gave up a ton to bring in Tarasenko and Kane and the other guys that they brought in, but you know their cap situation doesn't get better. It gets worse moving forward. It's going to be tricky. They've got Filipino locked up long-term, but they've got some other tough decisions to make once they get through the playoffs. Whatever happens, happens. But to me, getting back to the conference final, and then if it's Boston... You take your shot. You know, everyone thinks Boston's gonna just cakewalk through the playoffs here. It doesn't always work that it way. Usually it usually doesn't, hockey, It doesn't. They've been, I mean, it's been a an historic regular Specialty. season for them. They're very deep, talented, goaltending, uh, playoff experience, veteran leadership, they check all the boxes. Once the new series begins, it guarantees you nothing. But if the Rangers were get to, were to get to a conference final, ultimately lose to the Bruins, and if Boston went on to win the cup, could I say, you know, hey, look, they gave it their best shot, it didn't work out. Yeah, but it'd still be a bitter pill to swallow because every year that goes by, we get further and further away from 94, and they're in this window right now where they're good enough to win, but one of these years, you've got to get all the way there.
1: I set the over on the number. Ranger playoff wins in a postseason at seven and a half. Is that a good number, or am I shooting it too low?
0: Um, I think it's a good number because they need eight to get to the conference final.
1: I think seven and a half is a good number. Yeah, Assuming they're going to be favored against the Devils, it's probably going to be slight. Eight. Slight. I'd yeah. say they're like minus 120 against the Devils. Slight. And I think they would be maybe slight dogs pick them
0: against Carolina. Possibly. I don't... I'm trying to remember what the number was for that series last year.
1: Carolina and, was favored, I want to say. Yeah, they were. They
0: were favored. And you know what? I, I I'll admit... Uh, the devil scare me more than Carolina. And really, I, and I'm probably basing that too much off of last year when the Rangers
1: turned it on and ended up beating up Carolina. And they caught some
0: luck, you know. Ca- Carolina had injuries; their goaltending hasn't been great again this year. And one of their best players, uh, is out for the year. He had a, I think it was a knee injury, like a couple of weeks ago, and he's done. So that's that's key. But that's a good team with a good head coach. Rod Brendamore is legit. So, and I'm sure they'd be looking for payback. It's both to me, both series are very compelling, and they're going to be. Like I said, I think it's going to be a war. Both of those series. I, don't, I don't, I don't see the Rangers winning either of those series in you know four to five games. I think you're looking at six and seven gamers for both of them.
1: Um, the Knickerbocker win total. I think it's funny. The Rangers would be like in the seven and a half range. Yeah. I would put the Knickerbocker win total and two half. and a half.
0: Two and a half. Okay. Two and a half. What's this? What's the line on that series? By the way.
1: Uh you're wondering. I know it. Yeah, that's why I'm at, a,
0: of course I know you know it. That's why I'm asking Cleveland you. Is I a, asked you for net sixers and you had it and bang. Minus you know, a thousand. Your, yeah. um, Cleveland is a two to one favorite in the series. Really? Okay. Which I
1: think is factoring in the Randall injury sure. number one. Yeah, we don't know where Cleveland that's at. Cleveland has home court. Let's yeah. be honest. Cleveland was a better team throughout that's the regular fair.
0: season. That's fair. So two and a half. Yeah. So it's a matter of can they get to a seventh game?
1: They have to play well in this series. You know, I know there's some Knicks fans saying it's a failed season if they don't win in the first round. I don't believe that for a minute. If they go and play Cleveland and it's a hard-fought six or seven-game series yeah. and Cleveland's the better team, I can accept that. What I can't accept, Sewell, is what happened two years ago against Atlanta when they got absolutely punked and embarrassed and yeah, was a mess. Yeah, 3, 4, and 5.
0: I can't I, have that. I don't see that. Look, I, and again, I don't know where he's at status-wise, but just to me, Brunson's presence changes everything. 100%. And now maybe I'm putting too much into what we saw in the regular season with him, but I mean, ask, ask Dallas, and I, I don't you don't need to ask them because they've been asked recently, and Luka Doncic is pretty honest about how much they miss him. So I think that's got to be a factor. Uh, Toppins look pretty good, but I wonder quality of opponent. Th- these NBA these games these down games, the stretch, well, Let's man. be honest too uh, these, the, uh, yeah This season's yeah.
1: too long. And yeah. I said that in baseball. It's too long in the NBA and the NHL too. Yeah, I don't need to see the end of these NBA games when there's so much load management uh, ad nauseum.
0: And, oh, and now God. you're in a
1: situation where either guys are resting or, or a guy, you know, it's enough. Draft
0: enough. picks, lottery, all that stuff. Yeah, cut it to yeah. 60,
1: 65 games. Everybody would win there. Yeah,
0: no, look your product. I like. Look, it's a spicy matchup because of the Donovan Mitchell aspect. You get to see Brunson playoff games at the Garden. All those good things. Yeah, I would say it would be disappointing if they didn't get to a sixth or seventh game.
1: Minimum, absolute minimum. All right, final one. I'll let you ponder this one a little bit. <laughs> There were a lot of low lights. There were a few highlights. Low from lights. A uh, couple of low lights, like the uh, JJ uh, tee shot.
0: Oh, well, it was multiple ceremonial well, honorary tee balls. Bo- and you know, water I balls, actually tried.
1: I call- <laughs> So this course we played, by the way, which was no joke, very Reflection bay. Yeah, I said, all right, first shot, no range. I said, let me go with the five iron. I didn't hit it poorly. It's not like I hit it five
0: feet, and and but just, it didn't get off the ground. And to be fair, I mean, he had. Not he. Everyone that teed off on one. I'm gonna say it was almost a hundred yards of water to cover. Is that yes. fair? Yes. So intimidating. On the tee, number one, having no range, having no range, I said, "Let me pull
1: a five iron out. Just put one out there. Everybody cheer, go nuts,
0: right? And he did. Right. Then he had to do a second one, and we all mocked. And then I got up to the tee and I put two in the water myself. There you
1: go. That makes me feel better. (laughs) So that would not be the highlight of the trip, I assume.
0: I mean, listen, the course was awesome, beautiful, scenic, and then. I got to the, we got to the, to the turn and everyone went inside for like a hot dog and a beer. I, I needed to use the bathroom and let's just say, you gotta go, you gotta go. on the other side of using the bathroom, front nine went out in 54, came in in 43 and that, Woo! that included a double on 18. So it was a tale of two nines for CeeLo out there in Henderson, Nevada.
1: That's one hell of a... So, that was your highlight of the trip. Pretty I was like, oh, my God. Fight. I'm
0: not going to break 100 here. And I did. So, that was good. The back was the back was good to me. Yeah.
1: Well, buddy, the weather is warming up. We have playoff hockey on the horizon. Yes. So, I need a jersey round one of these days.
0: Let's go this you're, week, man. Let's, Thursday. End of the week. I'm off. It's supposed to be like 80, 82 to 85 degrees, I think. Let's put it in the calendar. Let's, let's do it. The beak is alive. That's Chris Lopresti. S-O-Y-F-A-M.
1: By the way, the makeover. You look good. And That sweatsuit's got to go.
0: Yeah. I mean I'll tell you this: I had a number of people come up to me after and say, "I like the sweatsuit." There you go,
1: good for you. Uh, Did Joe Douglas say anything to you?
0: Um, nothing newsworthy. I walked off stage. They
1: better get Aaron Rodgers with that price tag. Yeah, well, listen, he's not
0: showing up there and saying that. I agree. If he's not, there were two special guests. While I was waiting, Phil Sims had already come out, so I knew he was on the show. I go backstage through the door, and there's Sims talking to Joe Douglas. And I'm like, oh, special guest number two. There you go. So I was growing on him, growing him. I'm like, you listen to the show? He goes, Oh, yeah, I listen. I'm like, Do you listen or do they bring you stuff? He goes, No, I listen. I'm like, eh, okay. I'm not sure if I believe that.
1: Well, listen, take it for what it is. <laughs> um, I'm glad you had a good time. Yeah, it was fun. You survived Vegas, you survived a little comedy show. Yeah. And now, the home stretch of April, my friend, Let's which do means it. Ranger, Nick, Lock a on, lot of on. action at Madison Square Garden, plus all the baseball. That's our pal.
2: Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
1: Always fun with my guy, Lepresti. We got to get on the golf course. Can't wait for that. See what hits the shit out of the ball. Just, just throwing that out there. Small guy, hits the ball country mile. Couple things. Number one, bad job across the board not giving you more from Phil after the round. I get it. He's a pariah. I get it. The tour can't stand him. The guy at 50-something years old shot 65. Can I get an interview with Phil and Amanda Balionis-Renner, please? Is that too much to ask? I asked, like, multiple people. I go, where was the interview with Phil and Amanda? There was none. Bad luck. I don't care what you think about Phil. That was one of the biggest storylines of Sunday at Augusta. That should have happened. That's number one. Number two, uh, we will have a Monday same-game parlay on FanDuel for the Yankees and the Cleveland Guardians, a a postseason Rematch from a year ago. Yankees were very fortunate to win that series, might I add, uh, against the Cleveland Guardians. So I will have some fun with that. Domingo, Herman, Shane Bieber. I don't know if I'll be including the Yankees, but we shall see. All right, last but not least, Jeff Money. Monday, please. What do we got, sir?
2: What up, JJ? Jeff Money here with a handicapper picks. it be for Monday the 10th. We got three major league baseball games. Start out game number one. I'm going to go with the Colorado Rockies plus the 130 over the St. Louis Cardinals. Game number two, I'm going to go with the LA Dodgers minus the 135 over the San Francisco Giants. And finally, the third game, we're going to go with the Chicago White Sox plus the 105 over the Minnesota Twins. Again, three plays. We're going to go with the Rockies plus the 130, the Dodgers minus the 135, and the Chicago White Sox plus the 105. And everyone can follow all my daily plays on Twitter at Jeff Money. Okay, JJ, I'm out of here. Let's go.
1: Well, Jeff Money, anytime you could get Dylan Cease and even money, I like the sound of that. Um, Yankees, in case you're wondering. Plus 130 tomorrow against Cleveland. Mets, Scherzer, Darvish. It's a juicy pitching matchup. And everybody and their mother is on the Mets. I like the Padres tomorrow. Hate to be the bad guy, but I will absolutely be on the Padres tomorrow. Remember I said that. Especially with the way Max has thrown the ball in his first two starts. All right. Should have a Monday. Fun Monday of baseball. Great job by Stefan. Uh, we're going to have Dan Hurley later this week, which I'm fired up about. Long overdue. Uh, after UConn won a national title, we'll get you ready for Knicks. We'll get you ready for Nets. And whatever the baseball brings our way. Enjoy your week. I hope everybody had a great Eastern Passover holiday. JJ out. Be good, everybody.